For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Determination comes in many forms, but always starts with a Dunkin' Run. So take your medium or larger coffee in one hand and grab a dollar donut in the other. No matter how you run, Dunkin' Run. A one dollar donut with any medium or larger coffee. Excludes specialty donuts and fancies. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. You are now tuned in to Believe. Do you believe? All right, welcome into On My Block Podcast. It's a Green Bay Packer podcast. I'm your host, Amon Green, along with my good friend and teammate, doing doing well down there in the Austin, Texas area. Mike, how you doing? I'm great, buddy. Nice. You had a chill weekend with the in-laws, and like you said, the kids uh, definitely enjoy it because they can hang out with grandma and grandpa. I definitely love that type of weekend. That's kind of similar to what I did. My mother-in-law came over, and uh, my wife's auntie came up and from Chicago area, and they just we play cards. They played, uh, and they got a lot of little bit, little bit of booze involved. What card? What, card what cards you? What cards you play? We playing um, rummy, rummy mostly. Oh yeah, yeah. We we yeah. play dominoes now. We went through the we we played. You usually played rummy, right? We usually play just regular gin, and now uh, I got my dad hooked on dominoes. And he's Ooh. oh he's all about it, man. It's hilarious. We played. We must have played for like three hours yesterday. Well, it gets you know dom but domes as we call it. You can play forever. Man. Plus, the scotch, yeah. scotch and dominoes is dangerous. <laughs> yes, anything. Yeah, between yeah. Once you get the juice going, yeah. uh, conversation, uh, the 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 feeling to bet more, whatever y'all playing for. We play for quarters. We play with quarters. In this household, when we do in the card stuff, for, we just play for uh, abuse. We abuse whoever's losing; just gets abused. Yeah. There's no that, there's no money involved. It's just abuse. I would like that, to say pride, but it's really just abuse. Right, and that right there is the that the answer to the question of how you guys were in our locker room when y'all played when we played backgammon. <laughs> y'all played those card oh. games, Tonk, and oh my god, I'll be sitting there listening. To you guys go back and forth. the old line. You, Tyus, Flanny. Oh my god, that was. Classic the, conversations. The, the 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 best part about the locker room that people just probably don't know I'm privy to is, and we and the, the way the Green Bay Packers locker room used to be, I think it's still this way. It was shaped like a football, but there's there's tables everywhere, so it's people clear. didn't really go into the like people have the players' labs. They go, everyone talks about going to play Halo. Like we, nobody really did that. We because right. we wanted to, we actually enjoyed each other's company. So yeah. we would sit at these tables, and every year it was something different. We'd play dominoes one year. Chess mm-hmm. one year. Remember uh who was yep, that big I, fullback? Nick Nick Lucci. Nick Lucci. He brought chess yeah. in, right? He brought chess in. We played chess for an entire year. We played poker for a couple. I mean, every backgammon, it just it was so much fun. That that part of it, if you're gonna say like 
what's one thing you wish you could do every day again? Yes. That would probably like, be it. Man, I, I wish I could go to the locker room for two hours and just play cards with people. Hey, I'm down so for fun. that. Yeah, I that's where I learned how to play backgammon. And I used I got yeah. really good. I got super good because I sit there and watch you, Taos Chad, go at it, the Chinionator. And I just be like, what in the world? You know, once I learn how to play, I'm like, Chad, what are you doing, man? Like, what type of move? What's the count? Well, Chad, that you're Chad trying still to doesn't do? know how to play. That's a problem. <laughs> he still has some work there to do. And so hopefully Chad is doing a lot better uh, in terms of betting because uh, right now I'm going to get into this read with our sponsor of the show, Bet Online. So our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source of all your betting needs and sports information. So find all the latest developments, including updated odds of the NBA playoffs, which that is going crazy. I'll talk about it later. You got fans running on the, the court and everything out in Minnesota. So NBA playoffs, fights, and even next season's future so and don't forget that the major league baseball has started as well you got some good games going on good teams are pushing in the baseball area so who are you picking for the world series mike are you picking anybody early you've been watching baseball at all i try you know the only thing i catch is if like like last night with it i don't even know who got called on the third strike the guy lost his mind I was like, the only thing yeah I know yeah he, that was he, a he philly player, had this 3010 i thought that was pretty cool but I, right. i'm always i'm a dodgers fan I got to go to my first yep, baseball game I'm when I was you. five years old. It was a Dodgers game. I've been a Dodgers fan ever since. So if, my default is always Dodgers. I'm, I'm kind of there. I grew up in Los Angeles, too. That was when Oral Hershiser, Kirk Gibson, I was watching the game. With Fernando, me. man. Fernando, Fernando Venezuela. Venezuela. Kirk Gibson hitting a home run with a bad hamstring. You know, all that fun stuff. Do you so, remember yeah. Pedro Guerrero? You yes. Pedro Guerrero? And you Pedro. remember when they – I never forgot. I got goosebumps. I still – I get goosebumps thinking about it now. He would come up to bat, and he just had that MVP year. And he would come into bat, and the whole damn place would start going, Pedro, yep. like that, like that cadence, and dude, it would just get electric in there. And, Dodger Stadium. So if they're doing well, there's no better place to watch a game than Dodger Stadium. Exactly, it's a good area, good city, it's California. So with Bet Online is your continued source for all sports wagering needs, including live betting and your favorite Vegas, uh, Vegas casino and poker games. So it's super easy to get started. So head over to the website today, or use your mobile device to join and use the promo code Believe B L E A V to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. So Bet Online, where the game starts. Mike. Hey, G, I got one for you. Here's some, here's some stuff on BetOnline that's, that's right now, so you can do prop bets on the draft because it's draft week. Right. Here's here's something I wouldn't have expected. Total offensive lineman drafted in the first round. The over-under is seven. Seven. Ooh. I can pick – like, in, in, the, in my mind, I can go – I can get five right away. I can't get I can't get to seven. Right. I mean, you got to have a neat – I mean, this is – after Zion, I think it's Zion Johnson. After him, I don't know who you're picking up. There's, there's the Tyler and Bob Zion – and there's the three tackles. Right. If somebody picks Trevor Penning in the first round, I'm telling you what. It's a problem. <laughs> well, he's just not ready to play. You don't pick a you don't pick a guy like that in the first round. He's he's got a lot of work ahead of him. Yeah. Because you know, you can you can only throw somebody on the ground with you know illegally so many times on rivals.com or whatever that you know, whatever the nonsense is. You're right. Exactly. You know, like, that, that doesn't even matter. Like really he has a ter- he's not he doesn't have very good technique. He's just I know he's got some measurables, but he just has aggression. He has a great. He's got a long ways to go before he's going to be considered a player in this league. Right. And not to say he can't be an outstanding player, but I don't think he's a first round draft pick. So if they're counting him, I would go under. That's I. I if if anybody's out there listening, I would right. take that bet on the under for sure. Here's the other take one. Take uh, it. Total QB goes. selected first round. They have over under at three and a half. Mm. Now he's in the all, first round. You remember when we started this nine months ago? 
They said there are no first-round quarterbacks in this draft. Now, every, there's somebody's going to reach. Malik Willis looks yep. like he has that. You know, he has a good upside. A lot of people are saying a lot of people are saying Kenny Pickett is like a, he could be a day one starter, but his ceiling's not that high. But right, there's just not guys where everyone's falling over themselves talking about what a great player is. I think that Malik Willis. So I got some. I got a little bit of insider information because I was down. I was at Liberty College working with some guys, um, not not affiliated with their college, but they work out there right. last week. And I asked about Malik Willis, and they said this this kid is the absolute real deal as far as the kind of person he is, the kind mm-hmm. of what professionalism he's going to bring, the kind of locker room guy he is. They couldn't have they couldn't and they had no horse in the race with me, right? They couldn't right. have spoken louder about what a great human being this kid was and how high they think his ceiling is. So yeah. I, I'm rooting for I'm automatically rooting for that kid. But you know, aside from that, it's like I don't know who else is going to be who, who really is a first round who deserves a first round grade. So. I think those two bets are pretty interesting. Right. And it depends on the team. Obviously, as we know, with NFL teams, they are drafted for necessity. And talk, I say the biggest thing, what I've seen with between Pickett and um, Wallace is that how the media has been this last week was all, you know, little kits of how Pickett, you know, between his small hands and not having a high threshold, like you meant, you know, it's just now it's more of been a, an agenda of, of I say mass media of trying to push these guys to get drafted in the first round or not get drafted at all, maybe second round, third round. But uh, but with the quarterback position, what I believe though, and what you know too at the NFL, every quarterback can use some development. If and if any any quarterbacks that are going to do it, it's going to be these first guys. Even Matt Corral out of Ole Miss and Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh and Malik Wallace out of Liberty. Those every quarterback can't just come in day one as we know and just like unless they're their phenom. You know, but usually everybody, even Pat Mahomes, the most recent young quarterback, he had three years, four years to bake on the shelf behind Alex Smith before he got hurt or went to uh, the Washington football team or commanders. And then before, you know, then before he took over the reins there in Kansas City and was able to do what he do. He was on the shelf for two years. So I think that development two, three years at that time, then that player can really get a grasp playing in practice, getting used to what they're seeing um, live games, defensive coordinators calling disguising defenses to make it tough for them. There's no year one quarterback, I'll say, in any any draft moving forward. I'll say definitely this year too. So you think you think about just think about the Green Bay Packers and the amount of guys that backed up Brett Favre. Right. Not including exactly. Aaron Rodgers. You think about Matt Hasselbeck, he was drafted in my group, right? Yeah. Fifth round or seventh round pick. Turn I mean, he had the productivity of a first round draft pick over the course of his career because of yes, all the things that he brings upstairs, right? Took the team to a Super Bowl. Yep. Right. Preparation, everything. But he's like a fifth, seven round pick. It just he, you know, he had to cook for a little bit longer. Right. Aaron Brooks goes on and has Same a great thing. career starting Garden of New Orleans. I mean, all these guys, Mark Brunel, Doug Peterson. I mean, all these guys yes. went on to have these careers. Uh, sorry, I forgot uh Hall of Famer Kurt Warner. Right. Correct. Like, all these guys went on to have all these careers, right? It's just the timing means so much. And it doesn't, it, it's the one position I think where you look at it and you go, I don't really know where a lot of their ceilings are, right. but I know that this kid can start right now. And I think maybe that's what makes you a first – at least that maybe what used to make you a first-round pick is I can envision this person starting right now and not blowing the, blowing the game for the team, whereas all the guys I just mentioned, none of them were day-one starters, and all of them turned out to be tremendous, tremendous football players. Right. And I say the biggest thing you want to look for when you look at Malik, you look at Pickett, you like any quarterbacks, you know, Matt Corral, uh, Sam Howell, Making sure at the college level, when you watch that game film, you watch their confidence. You watch how when they throw a ball, you could tell that quarterback is like confident about his throw. 
Uh, if he decides to run a ball and all that and physical as Malik Willis is, does he go to run first or is he a guy who is trying to pass and then run is secondary? So you look at those those tapes to make sure then this is the guy for our team. But then if they slip and fall, it's not a big deal for the team draft. Then that's obviously the price. They, they want to make sure they get that good price or not, but get that value out of it. So watch that film, you know, make sure these players come in and, you know, get judged and uh, put in the site a right situation. So they got time to develop. So, um, that's where we're at on that. So I know with uh, Packers, they pick up uh, Gerard. It was a Jerron Reed, solid veteran pickup. Uh, he brings some reinforcements to the D line to be in, in the rotation with Kenny Clark. I know right there for me, that is uh, pretty good because to have a guy who's been in two good places of defensive places, being in Seattle, being in Kansas City, uh, being around those players, and uh, be I think mean, he might have been on the team for the Chiefs with the Super Bowl. I'm not sure if not, it was just this past year, but just. Being in a locker room, he brings that experience along with his technique. He has good push off the ball. He has good hand work. He can get. He's had over you know around twenty five sacks in his early career, or something somewhere in that number. So, what are your thoughts on um, him picking, getting him picked up this uh, quick offseason before the draft here, Mike? Well, listen, reinforcements are great. Um, he he, you know, he's durable. He's one of those Alabama linemen. I think he came out in twenty sixteen. Now he has mm-hmm. been on three teams in three years now. Which right. to me is never a really good that sign. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's, it's never a really good sign. That's like a and good I, and a bad thing at the same time. Yeah. And, and we talked about um we talked about Alabama linemen. We were talking about offensive linemen, <clears throat> but you talk about Alabama linemen and not always transferring over as the dominant force that they were mm-hmm. in college to where they are on the front. Now there's some obviously there's some there's some guys, especially you know, like the guy over for the Washington Commanders who it was at Allen. The guy's a tremendous John yeah. Jonathan Allen. There's exactly. guys that have transferred over and been amazing, but there's a lot of Alabama offensive and defensive linemen that haven't quite made the leap to be that like dominant force. Hopefully this guy comes in and, you know, learns from it as, it, as crazy as it sounds. Cause I think Kenny Clark's like 26 years old. Right. You know, he's still young. He's, 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 <laughs> still he's the time. veteran in the room though. And right. look, you and I know this like 26, 27, 28 years old, probably a little bit higher now because of the, the lifespan of a player. But when you mm-hmm. and I were playing 26, 27, 28 years old is when, our bodies and our minds are kind of in the same spot. Mm, physically, yes. we're, physically, we're where we need to be, and also now from a um, fr- from a, a sporting IQ standpoint, we are kind of we're in our sweet spot. Like we've hit that sweet spot now. And so for me, right. I'm always really excited about the opportunity. Oh, a little technical difficulties going there. You're back. You hear me? Yep, I got you. So, yeah, so I'll say while you're fixing that, to your point, you know, we get into the actual, I say, hard brass tacks of numbers. So the Packers got, which I didn't know this, um, just doing my homework over the weekend, Packers got 11 total picks here in uh, the 2022 draft. They got two first-rounders, two second-rounder off a of, off of trade in, uh, there, and fit, they got this. So that's the 53rd and the 59th. Third, one third-round pick is the 92nd. And then fourth round, they have two as well, 132, 140. And then the fifth round, they have 171. And then also seven. And then in the seventh round, last round of the draft, they have three picks. So this is, could be something if you go in it, you know, Gutekus and the, the draft, uh, eight or draft, um, the scouts, excuse me, uh, can then look at coaches to look at, try to, uh, I say maximize having 11 picks because I guess what the Kansas City Chiefs is the other team with 12 picks total. Uh, coming into the draft so you could do a lot of things come draft day prior to draft day with uh, having 10 plus picks 
um, you can obviously use them all for the team or you could, hey, you know what, we could let's will and deal some of these so we could get, you know, move up in, in um, some draft um, draft rounds to see what players that we want that might not we may not think they'll be there, but make sure if they're there, still there and trade up to get them with these draft picks. Yeah, I agree. I agree completely. We have opportunities. This will be interesting this year because we do have those two late round draft picks. And I know we did our Believe Mock draft and I drafted the first pick I had was a wide receiver. Um, you remember his name? Jesus. is uh, Traylon Burks. So the guy out of Arkansas. And the reason yeah. that I thought he was interesting was because he had played multiple positions in college. He's a bigger guy. He's like and six, he's a big guy, 225. Yeah, 6'3". And he didn't have a great 40 time, but he plays fast he, and, he's a, and he's a deep threat. But he also has the ability to go inside. He's played running back. And I just saw with the Matt LaFleur offense, thinking like we have a Debo Samuel type. I know his name's been kind of floating around Packers right now. Correct. But instead, like instead of going with uh, Dotson out of Penn State or, or even going with um, going with Pickens out of Georgia, who blew his ACL, he's kind of a boomer bust prospect right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, as far as like how is he going to come back, I was kind of interested in having that big body who can maybe get in the backfield and be that player for us because we don't really have that guy. So we kind of fill all the different sp- spots. And listen, you can always use speed. There's no question about it. But yeah. if we do decide to stay at that pick, that might be a very interesting look for us. Yeah. And having, you know, bringing a guy like Traylon Bergson, you know, you're looking at another um, Alan Lazard and a guy that we saw also right. come in and, as a big body, big body um, doing blocking that usually you don't see receivers wanting to do or having to do. And he's doing it. And then he's still running routes and catching the ball downfield, stretching the field. But being a, a leader, he's the right now number two receiver behind our number. Oh, yeah. Number one receiver. And then it's him. And uh, uh, Watkins, Sammy Watkins, that just got picked up last week as well. So they're doing a pretty good job. Um, I'll say in a wide receiver area of trying to uh, have people there and weapons for Aaron to throw at right there. Yeah, I don't think there's any <clears> question <throat> about that. If you think about, you know, hey, you know what I wanted to get into a little bit is just talking yeah. about do you have draft memories? Like, do you remember what, what you were doing <laughs> and what your what your whole your whole situation was like? Oh, mine, mine was unique because I was in the supplemental draft, but I, you know, I've never really, I've never really talked to you about yeah. your, your whole draft experience. Man. Yeah. So you just push on into that. Yeah. That's no problem. So draft day for me, this is when our, I said both our drafts were the draft. It was all in one day. It wasn't a three, four day extravaganza that had a, a parade, ticker tape parade and all that fun stuff. It was not that. So I uh, was at my agent's office in uh, Newport beach, California. I was on the same roster of incoming NFL players as Ryan Leaf. We were represented by Lee Steinberg, uh, Bradford and Morat was the law firm. And so on draft day, I was at the office. So at Lee, Ber- Lee Steinberg, Lee Steinberg's office then later became, uh, I left with Dave Dunn to go with athletes mm-hmm. first and Joby Bryan, Carmen, uh, Carmen Wallace, great group of guys. Uh, especially Carmen, we still talk today. He helped me, uh, helps me out with a lot of little stuff with gaming and stuff. And uh, so we're at the office. They ordered in, you know, old food and stuff. I had friends and family. I had friends from LA that grew up with me. They drove down to the OC hang out. Um, little league buddies that we all played little league ball together, football, baseball. My brother, my oldest brother Jerry, which you might have you met when I played. He flew in. He was he was already with me because um, he when I was training, he was kind of. Let me go, mom. You know, let me stay out here with you. Make sure you're not getting in trouble, type of thing. But he, we were good. I was good. You know me, Mike. I barely do anything other than play Xbox and PlayStation. So, um, <laughs> so we're all we're all there. You know, we're at this office on the third floor of the building in um, La Jolla or in uh, the OC. 
and draft starts. You know, I'm seeing Randy Moss, which we knew was going to go first round. You know, we see um, Ryan and Peyton Manning go early, you know, first two, one, two picks. And then right towards the end of the first round, that's when I got my first call. And it was from the Kansas City Chiefs saying, you know, that we might take Amon with our next pick. And we waited, you know, their pick goes by in a pick they're picking up. If you remember Victor Riley, Mike, mm-hmm. I do. Riley, the big tackle out of Auburn that year. Then like two picks later, um, the uh, Dolphins pick um, make a phone call to us saying, you know, we might we want to run it back, which they needed at that time. And uh, so we waited again. Boom. They pass. Go to they pick up John Avery out of Ole Miss. A little scat back, a little fast, a little short, uh, not as you know big, but he was more like a uh, <clears throat> like a receiver out of backfield type running back, more screens, um, get to the ass type player. You know, almost like built more. I say nothing against Aaron Jones today, but built like Aaron Jones. He was a literal smaller back, but could have been useful. I think he was. He was useful for the few years that he played with the Dolphins. Um, but then, you know, second round fly by third round. I'm like, you know, what's, you know, I'm like, oh man. And finally we get a call uh, from, uh, Randy Mueller. He was the GM for the Seahawks at that time. And, uh, the only part, the long part for me, the part that made it long was the fact that I was told that I would get drafted in a late first high, uh, early second round. So with that being told to me, that's what made the day longer than any other day in my life at that time. And obviously this is a big you know, moment because this obviously changes everything from finance to where you're going to live, um, who you're going to be around for the next five to 10 years, potentially. And so that right there made it a longer day. You know, being told before I came out that I could get drafted in the first round is definitely a reason to come out of college to start your living and start your profession. And, um, you know, and so it and it didn't happen. But I use that day as a motivation to push forward because it was something that you know teed me off i was like okay we had 32 teams 31 teams pass me over two and a half times um all right i got a big old chip on my shoulder i say like, for every team that passed me over it is on when i get in that seahawks uniform and i start running that rock or if they put me on special teams i'm gonna come down there i'm trying to tear heads off i say like, i would i i'll I be mean, so when i i was at the office with friends and family i got back to my apartment there in uh newport beach california and, and i'll be i'll be straight up i cried because i was like so mad that that happened. And I'm like, I'm like, I know what I got. That's do. motivation though, right? I, yeah, exactly. I took it. At first time motivation. You know what? I'm not going to let this bog me down. I'm going to, this is going to piss me off. So when I get to Seahawks training camp, they're going to see what they got out of me at this running back from Nebraska, you know, what he can do, you know, cause a lot of stuff was, he can't catch the ball off the backfield. He's not a four quarter running back. He gets, he's injury prone and all this other stuff. And I was like, I can't wait. I said, I can't wait to my moment what I know I could do to play ball in the NFL. So that was my start to finish uh, draft day. What about yourself, Mike? Your, your, your draft experiences, uh, your draft experience, AG, was, was far different than mine. Apologies to everybody for the technical difficulties. Yeah. Uh, I, I, we're not master, I, at least on my end, I think AG is, but I use Apple and sometimes Apple, I love Apple, but sometimes Apple just really is frustrating. Uh, <laughs> I was a, I was a yeah. draft pick, which is basically uh, also known as the misfit draft pick or draft lottery. Really, and uh, didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. So, so basically, if 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 you if you don't if you don't decide to go to the regular draft in April, yeah, and you decide at a later date for whatever reason you want to come out, then there's a supplemental draft pick. Not a lot of guys get drafted from it. It's a blind. It's a blind bid. It's a blind auction. 
So if anybody doesn't know what a blind auction means, that basically means that your the teams are going to look to the next year's draft and their what their assumed positions are, and they're going to say, "I want to bid, I want to bid a third round pick for Mike Wall." And the you know the Packers said, "I want to bid a second round pick for Mike Wall." The Giants maybe said a third round pick. Whoever the other teams are looking at me, mm-hmm. but they don't know what everybody's saying. So it's the thing about a blind auction. They always say is you might feel either a good if you got your bid, right. because that means that you got what you wanted. But B, that means you probably overpaid for it because everybody else was not willing to bet as much as you did, right? Or bid as much as you did. So, got it, got it. So, so I, I just got a phone call. It, there's no pop and circumstance whatsoever. There's only a handful of people in the pig. Was, uh, Jamal Williams, the, the great uh, nose tackle for the San Diego Chargers, yeah. at the time San Diego Chargers, him and I were the only people drafted. He's from Oklahoma State. He got drafted in the first round. And uh, he was drafted in the first round. And, uh, I was drafted in the second. I got a phone call from Ron Wolf. You're a Packer. You know, Ron obviously was he, – he has roots in, in Annapolis, Maryland, so it, yeah. that made it – anyways, you know, I was lucky that Ron liked military guys. And, uh, you know, it, it as as we say, like the rest of history, it just seemed to work out. But it was literally – it could have been any Saturday morning at 9.30, 10 o'clock, whatever it was. I mean, my parents were in, in, in the house – Get a phone call off the phone on the wall with the you know the the, the pound pad, and <laughs> yeah. they're just they're, hey you're a Packer now and I, I great you know this is fantastic okay now we got to figure out a bunch of things like I know they just been to the last two Super Bowls yeah not sure exactly where it is you know so, you know let's learn a little bit more about this uh, this three time MVP Mike Holmgren like you know the names but you don't really yeah. know the the players I, it wasn't a team that I followed so. It, it was it was a that, that whole thing was a whirlwind for me, but you know, obviously, so happy the way it worked out. Yeah, definitely a whirlwind because things pick up speed because you're getting reached at and buy to a whole bunch of people that you never knew before. Um, between your agent and who they work with, and getting emails and talking about shoot deals to you know negotiating your own contract, and then you want to for you, it's like for me, I just want to get back to basic. Okay, when does mini camp start? When is you know what's the weight training? weight training going to be like my strength coach you know who is he, is he going to be a, a hard head or is he going to be somebody real cool to work with you know i had dana LaDuke was my strength coach he was at texas for a long time and he got hired i think right hired my first my rookie year there and he he was a guy he, like he found out right away like my work you know my work ethic in the weight room and he was a guy that was trying to break me like he's like ag i'm gonna try to break you down i'm like huh why are you trying to break me down man yeah what, what is that all about I don't know. I, maybe it was a Texas Nebraska thing. Yeah, it's a tough guy thing, man. Twelve. It was a tough guy thing, and I'm like, you know, because you, you see, you know how I work out. We go hard in the paint. We, you know, I'm go heavy. You know, I'm deadlifting. I'm heavy lifting lunges. I'm heavy lifting squats. I'm bench sprint. You know, I'm doing all that stuff, and then I'm out on the field running routes or running gassers or whatever. And I say the finally the one thing that broke me down was the that remember that 300 yard shuttle we had to run. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Those that was the only thing that broke me down because we did back to back like three of them one day and I'm like I can't I can't no more I'm like all right you got me but I'm not fast, gonna show you're you you're a fast switch guy man you're a fast switch yeah guy. true but you know I gotta have that endurance man yeah. yeah it was just interesting I didn't have any of that so I didn't have if this the, the supplemental draft is past all the mini camps and everything right so I walked in I got drafted and yeah. then my agent wanted a three year deal instead of a four year deal. So then I held out for like three weeks into camp. Oh, so my man. first, like, I literally walked in. They gave me a helmet, the whole thing. You physical get a helmet. I walked on a practice, and everybody else had been practicing for the NFL season. It's a difference. Three or four, 
for three right. or four weeks already. So I remember the first, like my first, my first time I ever put on a Packers uniform, like a game uniform, we were playing the Oakland Raiders and it was the third preseason game. Mm. And I was right. just like, I, you know, oh my and they God. had some good players back then. Right. Well, here's the thing. It, it, I, I just remember, and I didn't notice at the time, but like I think Tom right. Levi, the line coach, and we've I think we've already talked about. You know, yeah, Mike I had him in Seattle when Omri came in. Yeah, I know. Tom Mike wasn't going to play me, and Tom has kind of ripped me off and everything. Right. But I was so lost. But they felt like they had to put me in. But I think we told Flanagan at the time he was the center. He was the big the center at the time. Yeah, they're like, hey man, you just need to go to wherever he is because he's not going to get this right. <laughs> it's like, like whatever they call, just make sure Mike is not completely screwing over the quarterback because no idea what's going on. Complete. I mean, just completely lost. But yeah, no, I, I had my moments. I say my moment was until my second year when Homer came in with that offense, and I was so excited about it. And what I didn't realize, you know, that first mini camp, so the 99 mini camp we had, Dennis Erickson and his coaching staff got pushed out. It was playoffs or bust, and we did, we went eight and eight. <clears throat> so we got Homer coming in with the uh, West Coast offense. I'm so delighted about it because I'm a 49ers fan growing up. That's what Joe Montana, Jerry Rice, Roger Craig, you know, the name and all the big names, Tom Rathman. Very successful team, very successful offense, a scheme and all that. So I'm like, I get to be that running back now. And, you know, catch routes, catch routes at the backfield, run screenplays, and then run the ball, too. So I'm excited. So minicamp went well. I picked up the playbook pretty good, but it was obviously a dumbed-down playbook. That's what I learned. I didn't know at the time then that minicamp was just soft installation, like early stuff just to get the little fine details of teaching everybody what the concept is and what the idea of Mike Holmgren and his offensive scheme. That was just the intro. But then once I got to training camp, it was like, oh, God, I was like, Learning the um, audibles that we know now, like Jam Check 30, the early version of that, and Hard Call, and Tom Call. And I'm like, I call my agent, for real. So preseason, third game, we played the Colts in Indianapolis. I was going the wrong way. I was making MAs everywhere. I call, I got on the – like, I was mad after the game. I'm talking to my teammates. Michael Black was a running back from Washington State, and we're talking. I'm like, dog, I'm out. I say, they cut me. I say, they are cutting me. I am gone. I'm done. Hey, I'm, I'm done. done. He's like, Mike, hey, man, Mike, it wasn't that. He's like, come on, it wasn't that bad. I said, no, that was terrible. I said, I'm running, almost ran into uh, you know, some of the receivers. I'm going the wrong way. So that's why I know my time is uh, of the essence here in uh, Seattle. And well, for whatever reason, they kept me. And I'm still talking today because I went from obviously being in Seattle that, that second year, but not thinking. I caught what I did when I got back home, Mike. <laughs> I called my agent. I said this. I said, hey, hey contact the Mariners. Let them know that uh, if they need a backup for King Griffey Jr., I'm all I'm all ears. Let's go. <laughs> that's that's how I'm already in town. I'm already in town. They don't even buy me a plane ticket. Exactly. I'm right over here in uh, Kirkland. I'm good. I'm five, 10, I'm 15, that's 20 minutes away from the stadium. That's how sure I was I was going to get cut after that preseason of football because of just trying to learn the West Coast offense and then the verbiage and the the scheme and the blitz and the the adjustments. It's just like, oh my God. You know, I was I was I was scared. I was like, this is the real world. Got to learn this. And I'm not. So I'm like, I'm out. But for some reason, they felt the need to keep me. And then I just continue to develop and learn my way in that offense. And the verbiage, the understanding two jet, three jet. That's when all that start. Fox two, hound two, um, all those concepts of plays that we you know, once I got to Green Bay, we that was our main. That was our bread and butter place yeah. that we ran. But back at that in 1999, whoo. 
this young AG was like, that was the only time I was scared. And I was like, man, I'm out. Well, it just goes to show you, though, what a difference. Like, you, you get drafted in the right situation. Maybe it's maybe it's maybe it's where you're drafted, like what mm -hmm. round you're drafted in, or who your coach is, or who the players are around you. But you know, I, I always talk about I was so lucky to go to a place where I had an opportunity to learn from some veterans, and mm -hmm. I was going to a place that had a locker room that knew how to be professionals. Exactly. And all you know. Just so many people in that room that could that could help me develop. Um, I was just trying to think of, you know, some guys in more recent times, or even some of our contemporaries. Like, there, what a difference it might be if if they had gotten drafted other places. And I, my, I just my my mind immediately goes to off the offensive lineman, and I think of you know the Baltimore Ravens bringing you know Bronny Stanley was an All Pro, Orlando mm -hmm. Brown made a Pro Bowl. Um, right. And now is considered like a you know a Pro Bowl level left tackle with both those guys and, and good good players. But you get into a situation where I mean Baltimore is the most offensive line friendly uh, offense Often, that you can make. Yeah. yeah, in 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 the National Football League because of their quarterback. And so anytime an offensive lineman gets drafted there, it's like Lamar Jackson and that offense is going to make you look good because you get to come off the ball more than you pass pro. Right, and when you do pass pro, there's a lot of play action passes. And y'all like, like coming off the ball going forward. That's yeah, so you're coming forward. And and I thought I also thought about a guy that I'm, I'm actually going to do a podcast with uh, on my process to perform tomorrow. Evan Mathis. Evan was a guy that we got we got in Carolina when I was there. He was drafted, I think, like third round out of Alabama, and he he just never got good coaching. He never got right. good. And, coaching. and that is a more than happening a thing than anything in NFL. Yeah, he 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 had some chance. It's like he had he, he had some chances to play, but he never had good coaching. He went to Philadelphia. Now this is like I, I don't remember. I'm gonna have to do some research. He's year five, six, or seven. Correct. But he went to Philadelphia, and it was a journeyman. Played for Carolina, Cincinnati, moving moving around, moving around. Right. He gets with Coach Moore, and all of a sudden he's like a two or three time All Pro. He goes from a journeyman. To a two or three time All Pro just because of the of the coach that is in front of him, the offense that he's running. He's obviously he matures and comes into his own, mm -hmm. but the athleticism, everything, all those intangibles that they thought they drafted were there. They just didn't have the right person in the room to unlock it, and it, it's just amazing. Again, like you just you sometimes dream and find that right situation. You want to talk about the, the the next guy? It's it really is a testament to what a difference a really good staff can make a really good organization can make them on the, or the, the career of an individual player. Correct. Yeah. You talk about James Conner there. And so he goes from um, Pittsburgh, which was obviously a good team at that time when he was on that team, um, spelling, um, um, ah, darn it. Can't think of his name right now, um, but he's in Kansas city, the runner back. Um, but regardless of the fact he gets to Arizona and becomes a focal point in that offense, you know, tailored around Kyler Murray and having DeAndre Hopkins, having those receivers and uh, players, and then the defense they've had to then mix in a guy that he, what he has coming from that team that was a run-heavy team in Pittsburgh and then getting over to Arizona when they're not a run-heavy, but they know they have to do the run the, more, the way uh, Kingsbury and Kyler likes to run and call plays, basically. So that was a nice addition, and then it brings in more leadership because he's been around yeah. in Pittsburgh. That's a, that's a top-notch uh, organization, and he brings that same knowledge over there and experience over to Arizona and you see how they do. They still have some things to work on because obviously what the way their last their season ended didn't end the way it should have. They should have went a lot further in the playoffs because they got a team. They got a quarterback there that, that, you know, he's done as we talked about a couple months ago with the whole 
uh, social media thing in his career there. And this is ne- the next guy we talk about is kind of going down that route. It's like, hey, wait, wait, this is the interesting part wait, about players yeah. now and putting their careers online through social media. So my man Debo Samuels, too. Um, I want to say caught on film, but it just happened, you know, the way things go out. But yeah, but scrubbing his account, uh, the, you know, this thing that is like, I guess, is a thing now. NBA players, NFL players, I don't know about baseball are doing this to say, hey, you know, I'm not going to, you know, push y'all because I'm up at, you know, my contract's up for negotiation or we we need to work on a, a new plan. So it's just interesting to see that. I know this was definitely not in our time because if social media wasn't around, it would have been interesting to see who, who would be on those uh, resources. Uh, my, my point about Debo, though, was uh, Debo, he, he could have been a good player anywhere, but Correct. he went to the best place for him to be. Like he is a... His his success is a consequence of Mike McDaniel's running system, you know, Coach Shanahan's offensive system, where they allowed him to receive the ball in positions to be successful. He's not like he doesn't have the Devontae Adams number numbers. Like I'm talking about as a receiver, correct? Right? And he and he doesn't have uh, you know high end high end you know Jonathan Taylor running back numbers. What he is is a phenomenal football player that you can all you want to do is put the ball in his hands, right? We want to be desperate exactly. about getting guys who can run after they get the ball in their hands, right? That's what mm-hmm. that's what Michael McDaniel said when he got to got to down to Miami. We talk about Tyreek Kill. We are yeah. desperate to bring in guys that can run with the ball in their hands. Yeah, and then does it as good as everybody else. But it's like no one would ever know that. Like in other words, if he had gone to uh, a, not a, a Shanahan tree offense where it was Correct. traditional, people don't know he's that good. No, right. And so it's it's just another situation. Like you got put in the right in the right. You got put in the right situation to create the conditions for your success. You ran with it. Congratulations to you. But we'll talk about it later. You know, it's now you're now you're angry because they've they've designated you as this or that, and you want to be you know you want to be a wide receiver so you can get this. Dude, you don't have those numbers. Like, what are you talking exactly. about? Exactly. 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 So that was Le'Veon Bell. I was thinking about earlier. Le'Veon Bell yeah. was, was John Connor backed him up. But yeah, to Debo is the fact that. Like, who's he listening to? You know, is he going off his own gut and talking? Is he talking to his agent? And we know the agent side, if you have a legit agent that's going to look you in the eye and be truthful, they're working for you. But if you have somebody that we know of, Mike, that is just trying to get paid off that 3% that you're going to make off, you know, they're not going to, they're going to tell you, they're going to feed you what you, what they want you to hear to get the deal done and maybe get them more money or maybe not realize the situation you went on a football standpoint is the perfect spot. So there's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of talk out around there. Just hopefully Debo can understand because I agree with you. When I see him in that off from the time I seen him run that ball, catch the ball, you know, and then his after catch is what's which what's his which is awesome because he runs like a running back once he catches the ball or gets given the ball, pitch or handoff. I knew right away. I'm like, this is a guy that offense, they got him. He's got to bring, they have Kettle already a tight end. They bring in another receiver to be the number one or number two. They could kind of share it, kind of like what Packers going to do this year with uh with Watkins and Lazard. Then you got somebody that is dangerous. It's a he's a problem, as we saw, and we saw the 49ers get into the playoffs, you know, on the last few games of the regular season. That if it's not for Debo Samuels, they're not in the playoff. So he got you got to remember this is a team thing. I know it's the business side of it too. You got to take care of your own, but just understand sometimes. Where you are, you need to bloom. You need to bloom where you are because that is what got you started there. So it's hopefully 
that scenario works out well for the 49ers out there on the West Coast. So let's get into Packers draft picks over the last 10 years, which has been interesting yeah, I, and good I, overall. I was, I was trying to think. I was just trying to think of my top five over the last 10 years. And I'm sure I'm missing somebody. But, you know, it's obviously Devontae Adams, David Bakhtiari, then Kenny Clark, mm-hmm. Aaron Jones and Jair Alexander. I don't know what order they're in. But I think Correct. those those top five. I can't think. Maybe Elgin Jenkins you could put up there. I, Corey Lindsley, honestly, for me, I, I can't remember if he's 10 years out or not, but you can put him up there the way he's kind of progressed. I think he was a third-round draft pick out of Ohio State. Yeah. Um, they, they've had – and, you know, Rashawn Gary could easily be in this conversation here in a couple of years. Um, yes. But for all the talk, it's interesting because for all the talk of, um, you know, a, a lot of the a lot of the drama surrounding Aaron Rodgers would be like, well, they, we haven't gotten certain weapons, right? But then you look at it, right. it's like they've always had a good offensive line. They've drafted well. Well, whether it was a first round pick, like Dave Bakhtiari, he wasn't a first round pick. He's a right, you know, second he round pick. He, he might be a Hall of Famer. Correct. Devontae Adams right. wasn't a first round pick. He might be a Hall of Famer. You know, you start going, well, part of it's because of Aaron, part of it's because of them, you know, blah, 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 blah. But they have actually drafted, like, this is a good team. And, and when you look at this draft, the reason that we could talk about being able to maybe move down, maybe move up, switch around draft picks, draft the best player available, they actually have a lot of options because Goody, Goody has done a good job drafting. And obviously, this mm-hmm. staff in particular has done a really good job of developing talent. Yeah. And, that, and that's the biggest thing mm-hmm. that we know we look for as players is who's going to make us better as coaches. You know, is it something I'm on, you know, where I got to come in and figure it out on my own, or are you going to really have somebody who's going to push you? Because it's, it's really, you know, with the talent that's at this level, we both know it's just about guiding that player to what you see as a coach to make sure they stay playing at a high level, you know, and that's, you know, hold them accountable when they make mistakes, when they're, you know, not playing at the level they should play, when their focus looks off. That's you as a coach stepping in. Hey, what's up? You know, or take this. We're going to have this test like this. We're going to make sure. Or I'm going to tell the linebackers this doc, today in practice to come after the ball or, or make you work on your uh, your one-on-one route when you're running an option route, things like that. Those are the coaches that make you better because I remember Sylvester Crooms, um, Kippy Brown, you know, they're telling me, you know, I remember in the offseason when you're going into the 01, 02 season and, and then eventually again in the 03 season, we had, I remember Sly was in for minicamp and I think the day or two after minicamp, we, I came back in, he wanted me to come over and work, we're working on my route running, you know, making sure how I plant my feet and come out my break a lot faster because he knew from a run game standpoint, he understood him on, once you get the ball from a handoff side, you're fine there. There's nothing I got to work on there. Just a little slow down a little bit, you know, be a little patient, let the guys get your block, get their run fits. But let's get you running some routes because then we want to make sure when we have, you know, we got these divisional games against the Vikings, the Lions, where they start seeing you in the slot. They start seeing you, you know, motioning out the backfield. That's creating another problem for the defenders because then they're like, wait a minute. Run, uh, Amon Green's just like he's he split out in a wide position. You know, what is he doing? <laughs> you know, or yeah. he's in the slot. What is he doing? That, that, that creates scenarios to now maximize what that player can do. And that's one thing Matt LaFleur in this office, or this, I say the coaching staff with their scheme, they maximize each player, what they do in terms of that. But then, other, you know, like with Devo, you can refer to him in the same same direction. So. Yeah, and, and listen, just, let's let's transition to not only just like from a trench warfare standpoint, but I, I just want to piggyback off something you just said. Um, there are considerations 
that teams need to make when they're looking at different prospects, right? Because we're you know, we can talk about right now trench warfare. We've already talked about receivers and you know, the need for receivers. We talked about ad nauseum for the last couple of months. But really, but really, <laughs> there's now too, so we don't. Yeah, there's, there's offensive linemen, edge players, and defensive linemen that are maybe kind of our needs for this this 2022 draft. Um, right. What are what do you think of the considerations? Like, let's contrast a skill position versus a non-skill. So you versus me, right? Right. What are the considerations does the team need to make when looking at a running back versus like an offensive lineman? And what I, here's what I mean by that, AG. Right. I, I was thinking about it yesterday. You know, maybe with an offensive lineman, you say, you know, he's more of a run blocker or a pass blocker, or I mean, maybe he's you know, maybe he's a finesse guy versus a non-finesse guy. But basically, you're going to that person has to fit your system. Right. Like if I come in and they say, OK, he's a good run blocker, he can't pass pro. You probably don't want me playing for Tom Brady because Tom Brady you know, wants to drop. He wants to drop back in the pocket a bunch mm-hmm. with you. If you have a if you have a, a generational talent at the at the wide receiver, the running back position, obviously the quarterback position. Right. Then they will now change the offense for that one player. Or they'll at least add a lot of uh, themes or, or schemes for that one player, whereas it would take it would take like three of me, three offensive linemen, three defensive linemen to just switch what you're doing. Do you agree with that? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I say to the point of you know when it's a player that they know very well that they see that what they saw with their own eyes in uh, looking at film, then yeah. You know, if they have you put me, like you said, put me and you, apples and oranges there, and say, you know, I say we just go to my draft and go off of that. Then obviously they weren't knowledgeable of what I can do. Mm-hmm. Every NFL did that. Finally, Seattle did. But let's say if they did, let's say if all the thirty-one teams knew I, I was going to be the back I was going to be, then that's a whole different scenario. Because then if you got a top, you know, lineman. That is somebody that they can they know and they can eventually trust and they see him protect, like you said, protecting the Tom Brady. That person will probably get drafted over a player unknown, even though they know he's a runner back. He played for a pretty good team. They won a national title, this, that, and the other. But once you find out everything about that one player, which a lot of teams found out later on what I could do, they were like, oh, hold up. Wait a minute. He is a problem. He is a problem for offensive coordinators or defensive coordinators, linebackers, D-linemen, because he can do this, this, and this. Because I remember coaches saying the more you can do for this roster, that's going to save talent where they got to bring guys in, you know, because they're going to say, OK, I'm on. Like I'm prime example. I'll never forget this. Our teammate Brett did said this to a friend. I'm at the, his induction in Canton a few years ago. His college high school teammate, his high school teammate plays strong safety. He said something to me. I'm like, I come up to him. He said, hey, man, you're a mom. Yeah, shook his hand. So he goes, yeah, Brett told me about you, Amon. He said the difference between when he got to Minnesota, played with Adrian Peterson, as we know, one hell of a running back. Mm-hmm. He says to me, he said, Amon, he said the difference between you and him, Amon, he knew that AP was just about to run. I give him the ball as a running back. He was going to do what AP did. Any other offense, if it was like we're going to get him in a screen game, picking up the blitz, running Sean routes. Alexander. Just Sean Alexander said Exactly. Right. It yeah. was like AP, AP's out of that. We we lose plays. We don't have plays for him because that's not going to be him. He's going to power, iso, toss. But Amon's, we could do a screen, but we also could do power. So when you have players like that, that's where you notice the difference in terms of the quality of the draft pick of what you're getting. If you do your homework as a scout, as a GM, you don't let 
the Mel Kuypers of the world and Tommy Shays of the world, not saying they're bad guys and they're, they're not a good judge of character, but don't listen to that. Do your own work, watch the film, and then you could, you know, bring that value to that pick and not feel later on like, oh my God, what, uh, what did we just do, you know, <laughs> to the team? Because obviously we know the effects of bringing in a player that doesn't transition. Well, part, part of that is, part of that is, part of that's right for you, because I, I kind of, I, I agree with everything you said, but I, I was kind of thinking of it from the standpoint of, once they understand that they have you as a, a, a talent or, or as a, a motivated talent, then they they will change the way that they run the offense to cater to your strengths. Yes. yes. Whereas they're not changing the offense to cater to my strengths, right? Maybe a little bit. You know, maybe they go, okay, you can move around yeah. a little bit more. And, you know, so I, Mike can pull, so let's let them pull. But they're not going to change schemes. Whereas for you, because of the – or wide receiver who can take the top off, you know, or, you know tight end that can, that can outrun a linebacker – all of a sudden, those plays are coming in hot and heavy all the time. But it's interesting, like, what you're talking about is something that you and I always kind of lament when it comes to the draft procedure. What you're talking about is you were a complete player because how you were raised, where you went to school, the coaches you had in the, the NFL that demanded more of you, where you were drafted, where yep. you weren't a first-round draft pick. So you had a little bit of chip on your shoulders. So you were willing to do a little bit more dirty work. That was your natural demeanor anyways, right? Whereas a lot of these guys are about like, I'm about my yards and I'm about my yards. Oh, hey, by the way, I'm about my yards. And that's it, right? And so that, there, there is that difference. And the fact that they, this is the only the interesting part. And you can't say, that, look, I'm, we're singling out two really good running backs, Sean Alexander and Adrian Peterson. Correct. So we're not saying that they're not, they like those those teams are happy they drafted them. But exactly. the difference is like you and Priest Holmes, at the, at the time were the two best running backs in the league because your yards from scrimmage were different than everybody else's, right? It wasn't just the running game. It was everything else you brought. Oh, by the way, you can blitz pick up. Oh, by the way, you can do all this other stuff. And right. the fact that they haven't figured that out from not – it wasn't necessarily shown in the, at Nebraska that you could do all this stuff, but mm-hmm. that you were willing to be that kind of player is something you would um, assume – that teams could figure out at this at this level now they would that would be a more obvious thing and it's just it is crazy that it's not as obvious. Yep. And to your point about like looking at you as an office alignment and you you see you say that in the sense of GMs in the teams they'll just say we need alignment because we need bodies. You know if this guy is 6'5", 300, he fits the mold regardless of what his talent is good or bad we're gonna put him on there because they just assume that every office alignment is a cookie cutter thing. You know, I'm not saying a cookie cutter, but if you fit these requirements, these that, you know, this height. Well, this it, weight, it's just like I was like with that. a guy this week. I was with a rookie yeah. this week. No, sorry, a veteran this week. And, and right. the veteran was like, I go, I was asking him how much he weighs. You look really good. And he goes, yeah, my, my new line coach wants me to weigh this weight. And I just went, and they never, they literally never met in person. Right. And I go, I go, based on what? Exactly. You just go, what, what the hell are we talking about? But right. Yeah. You know, I know exactly what he's talking about. And that's what and that's what yeah, I saw yeah, as a player yeah. in terms of sometimes some of these teams are drafting some of their big guys, you know, offense and defense alignment. It's like, man, you just are you just drafting because he looks good, you know, in his pads at a D lineman position, or is it because he runs fat? I'm like, no, you gotta make sure they do they could do the things that I you would, want a D lineman to I do. I would say this there's probably no other position. Do. There's probably no other position where the where the discrepancy between what the what the line coach sees and wants to see versus what the personnel department sees and wants to see is, is the, I don't think there's a bigger gap. I think the offensive line coach knows exactly what he wants to see at, you know, from a character trait and everything in conversation. Yeah. 
And then, and then you see like a, a guy who's a combine buster and then you go, Oh, I definitely want that guy. Right. And it's like, well, no, no, no. He doesn't have any character traits that we want. No, no, no. But you can mold him. It's like, ah, right. No. We'll, do this, we'll do this again. Yeah, Spe- we'll, speaking we'll, of though, let's, let's go into this. So there's, there's for trench warfare, there's kind of, take the wide receivers out of it. There's kind of three needs that we have. We, we really need offensive line. Yep. Edge rusher, and then maybe another defensive lineman. I know we just picked up Jeremy, like you talked about. So, from an offensive line standpoint, and again, we're picking late in the first round. We have two picks. Mm-hmm. We got the twenty second, twenty eighth. So, I don't, I don't think that, uh, I don't think Iquanu, uh, I, de- I know Neil and I, Charles Cross aren't going to be available. So, you know, maybe the boy of those guys becomes our, our right tackle, but they're not going to be available. Then you start looking like the drop off between those three and everybody else, because I don't think I, that Penny kid. I would not draft him. He's not a first-round draft grade for me. I don't even watch that much film, but I watch him enough to know that he needs a right. lot of work. Yeah, he needs work. He, draft. And, Trevor. Yeah, yeah, and then you start looking at who are the next guy, the interior guys that maybe warrant a, tw- a pick at, the, at 22 or 28. And really, for me, there's 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 two that we would consider because Tyler Lindenbaum, as good as he is from Iowa, Iowa puts out great players. Yep. But we just drafted – we just drafted uh, Myers. We don't want. We don't need another center. Right. I would say that uh, Zion Johnson. Everybody likes him. They kind of think he's the top interior offensive lineman out, out of uh, Boston College. The guy that I like is the guy at A and M, Kenyon Green. This guy, mm-hmm. yeah, road grader, quick, athletic. Yeah, he's five star. You know, he was a five star uh, out of high school. He's played kind of all across the board, and he's a guy that you could come in and he could turn it. Because what you would really like is to get. Uh, Jenkins back to a position where he can play one spot and just be the mm-hmm. guy. Maybe he turns into an all pro because he's, he's a really good player. Whether it's, whether it's left guard, right guard, right tackle, let's put him in right. one spot and let's bring in another young guy and let him kind of take over that. We can put him everywhere. So he's a guy that I would really like to see. Um, but after that, they're not, there's no other, like there's not first round guys. So this is another situation where if they don't like that, and it's, you know, some of these edge guys, you look at the edge guys, like, uh, after what's his name, um, Carlaftis from Purdue, George Carlaftis from Purdue, because you figure Hutchinson's gone, Trayvon Walker's gone, Thibodeau's yep. gone. I yep. like Jermaine Johnson's size, um, and you kind of you. I see a little bit of like Rashawn Gary in, in, in him, so you just kind of okay, man. But I don't. I think he'll be gone too. And if the and then you know, obviously there's there's been some uh, connections between Carlaftis and, and the guy that just went to. Uh, Cincinnati had a great year from uh, he came from New Orleans. He had a ph- phenomenal year, but he, right. he he's a good player. He's going to be a high draft pick. I don't know if there's going to be after those five guys. I think the drop off is pretty steep, so I don't know if there's another guy in there um, that you would say, okay, that's worth the twenty second or twenty eighth pick in the draft. Uh, yeah, so I, it it just it, it starts getting kind of interesting, right? Once you get you know, obviously there's going to be the wide receiver market is huge, but do you think those guys are? You know, do you think the Penn State guys are worth a, a, the 22nd pick in the draft or do we feel like we're reaching? Because, again, we're so lucky to have such a good team yeah. that you can start making moves if you want to make moves or, or just take the best player available. Yeah, I'd say looking at the best player available is, is, is a good thing because you have people in the spots like Gary. Um, now you have uh, Reed that backs up KC in the middle, and you have Dean Laurie, the veteran there. So you bring in a young guy like – uh, maybe a David Ajubo or, uh, like you said, Arnold from Penn State that can then learn on them and be that guy, the next guy up. So when when players either you know contract and they get older 
or you know injuries happen now you got a guy the same build but then the same talent level because the jigbo being very versatile playing opposite of hutchinson in that michigan defense you saw how they played off each other and when you if you could have that guy coming off the bench learning slowly that's going to be a benefit in the big run because you already got good veterans young veterans like casey like we're talking he's only 26 years old and so that right there is big you get in Reed, that's going to be a backup, but then you got another hot rookie somewhere in the middle off the off the edge side or even joining in the middle, helping out Dean a little bit on the right side. So that's it's some good players there for the pick that could fall into their hands, you know, and it's just going to be interesting to see how they use all 11 picks to make sure they maximize everything. Yeah, and you know, to your point, I, th- I don't think for me there's a more important position that you need to get than a, than the third edge rusher. I really don't. I mean, it's just the drop-off between Preston – and, and Gary and everybody else is so steep, man. It, you know, we, we always we always seem to be able to find a, an offensive lineman who can fill in, the, you know, the space. And we we still have Yash is still. We're not even talking about him being a starter. I mean, he might be because of El, because of Jenkins being out, but yep. we have guys like they're going to find another guy. They'll grab with the guy in the third round or second round and, and, or fifth round, and he'll be able to play. And they've been developing guys from last year. Yeah, they have the, they have that, that position. You cannot. You cannot get to the 40-yard line going out, switch out your first-team defense, and just know that you're going to give up 20 yards on the ground. And that's really – I mean, that, that's the fear, I think, for me. You just, you're giving up real estate every time you put those guys in. They don't, they don't force uh, the quarterback to make quick throws, and they're not great against the run. And they might develop into better players, but just based on the body of work from last year, mm-hmm. I would bring in some like, super athletic young guys that have high motors – and be like, man, we are just you are here to get full speed reps. Let's go. Yep. And keep it simple. Let's go. Exactly. And we have guys to back it up on the other way as well on yeah. the other side. So you mentioned wide receivers too. You know, you got uh guys like we talk about Traylon Burks, who's a big receiver out of Arkansas. Um I don't know, but I don't if he'd still be there. Drake London, I kind of like him just because of his size as well. Another bigger receiver yeah. and has has length of speed to fill. But one, I'll say a black sheep just because of the college he went to, but he's putting up the numbers. It's Christian Watson out of mm-hmm. North Dakota State, you know, really, yep. really coach team. And then a guy who, a kid that's 6'5", 4340, regardless of the speed, but then he knows the, the territory. You know, he's up in the middle of Miss West playing college football without not knowing if, you know, if he's from North Dakota, but he played here. So being in this area so he could, one, weather's not a problem because wide receiver running back running the ball in this type of weather that we played in is something that'll be you know you got to have on the radar you got to have in the back of there how that is going to affect him and it's not playing at north dakota state but a guy like i said can come in right away and help out on smaller plays you you, you kind of work them in because you got lazar you have Watkins, veterans but now you can not, again work him in if, if it's a possibility if they pick watson you know in 22nd 28th pick and you know, with one of those two first picks uh, coming up in the first round for him yeah, I love it. And, and, you know, that was kind of my thought process with Traylon Burks as well, E.G., was that I, for some reason, I like I like wide receivers from schools that aren't necessarily – have not allowed them to maximize their talent. Like, in other words, you right. think that a guy like Christian Watson, with that – with those in, with those tangible traits, right, with, that, with those metrics, or a guy like Traylon Burks with his size, and they're not playing at top-tier quarterback schools. And you just no. then I I just start thinking like gosh every now and then yeah. yeah he he probably has a really really high ceiling and it's just a question of like getting around people that are more like him like there's just you know more better athletes more competition and you see those guys kind of rise to the top and have these outbreak performances so yeah I'm with you yeah. for sure on, on Christian Watson I, that that could be a just with that size and speed man that could be a huge pickup 
that could be a big pickup. And, and it's something you say all the time on this show, uh, iron sharpens iron. So you put that kid in the room against other good players that are really – and they are competing, even though we're, they're wearing the same color uniform, you're going to compete. And so you'll bring it out of them. And then that room, you know, obviously you, you can learn – he can learn the finite details of being a veteran right away, you know, by watching and listening to – you know, the way Allen talks, the way um, Walker is going to talk about his experience being around the league, being in Kansas City, being in Baltimore, that's going to be beneficial for him or any receiver or O-lineman. You know, the players that are already on the roster can help them out and better and build their confidence to say, hey, this is where I need to be to help the squad out. So um, are we done here in trench warfare, Mike? Let's do it, man. Let's get let's get on to our, our favorite segment. Oh, yeah. Let's get off our line. People and organizations, fans that just don't know what the heck they're doing. So, Mike, start us off here with this first one here, talking about some baseball teams here. Well, we got so – there's just – I don't know what's happened. And we talked about this like two weeks ago where, you know, the cost of the ticket allows you to – yeah, you go to – you're a fan, you go, you drink some – you drink some beer, some popcorn, talk some trash to the team. But to attack, verbally attack, abuse, talk about somebody's family, like there just doesn't seem to be – any limitations on what these fans think they're allowed to do. And the Yankees fans, I mean, like scumbag of the year, they start throwing trash on Yankees state on Yankees field. After a walk-off win for the Yankees, they go ahead and start throwing trash at the Cleveland outfielders on their own field. You're throwing trash at the guardians on your own field. Like what? I just don't know what the standard is anymore that at what point do we like, at what point does a player get to go? Hey, at what point is a player going to go? I have a question. You paid a hundred dollars for your ticket. You can throw trash at me. How much is a ticket to a padded room five minutes alone with you? No cameras. How much does that cost? Cause that's what, you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, I just I know don't know that they're, they're so, I it's just amazing to me. And you know, part of it is like we're athletes and it really, like it really doesn't like what you say, what, what a fan says to you really doesn't matter. Like it, no. you're in this, this you're at your job and you're doing your thing and you should be mentally tough enough to go like, listen, you don't, you don't right. even exist in my world. I'm trying to play a game right now, exactly. but it's just, we're, it's just the social, we talk about it all the time, man. Social media, tough guys, Twitter, tough guys. It's keyboard, just keyboard it, champions. Keyboard champ, And then they get, they get into, they get into a place where there's a, a wall between right. The lions and the, and the people at the zoo. Right? right, and so they think they can start throwing stuff at the Lions, and it's like, man, that Lions gonna get out the cage one day. Like, just just yeah. wait, you know. Mike Tyson, Mike, Mike Tyson just, on the airplane. I was just thinking it. I'm like, my wife showed me that because I saw the video. I didn't watch it in the whole the whole video. I just saw the first part where he's like, the the kid is over the the airplane chair talking to Mike. I'm thinking, oh, Mike just said hi, and he's been doing pretty good. He's been zenning up a lot. But when I watched the whole video, and my wife said, you know, Mike beat up that kid. I'm like, what are you talking about? That's what I. Watch the whole video. I'm like, I'm not even mad at Mike. I'm not right. mad. That's a, that you are. You already know, and you doing this for your TikTok, so you deserve that. Unfortunately, it puts it doesn't look good. But look, you're harassing a guy who was just trying to get his trip done over wherever he was going over to Europe somewhere, wherever. All right, it's Mike Tyson. Let's just start there first. I hear Mike Tyson. You know what I'm doing when I'm meeting him? I'm I'm asking to shake his hand. I'm not asking there, sitting there trying to harass him. So that kid, I'm not mad at Mike. It's unfortunate. That kid deserved it. You got to do that. You cannot do that. I've been in so many – I've heard so many different things. Shout out to me. I remember 
oh one season walking into the you know our before they remodeled the stadium <laughs> i heard a fan say to me amaya green i own you i own you and i'm like this is before i knew that way back when the packer history you know that the fans helped to pay to keep the taxes and keep the packers here i don't know that so you know what's running through my head mike i'm walking in like yeah see that's yeah that's that's, a, that's not a good one I get to flee, flee's tired of um, um, uh, spatting my feet up, you know, taping my ankles. I'm like, I got some. I say, flee, I got to say something before this game. I was like, well, he said, I had a fan saying to me, he owns me. And he kind of, so he told me the story, oh, well, when Curry Lambeau needed to save the team and, you know, the fa- the family, the prominent families in the Green Bay area helped pay, you know, the taxes or whatever they need to keep the team here. So they did the, the shares, the, uh, mm-hmm. the stocks, and they handed it out to the fans. So they technically, at that time, in the 60s, they technically owed the team, but not now. I'm like, okay, that's what I thought. It just got to mess with me for a minute to hear this. I'm like, so yeah, fans, Packer fans, anyway, that, that situation definitely unique to its organization. But, you know, talking about fans going, like I'm watching the NBA game, yeah, the Minnesota Wolves, and you got fans like literally, I don't know what the deal is. I don't know if it's a, it's something on Reddit. It's a subreddit thing where they got a plot to let's jump on, Let's go on the hot. Let's go on. Don't go on the ice. I say, don't jump on the ice rink. You gonna get destroyed. <laughs> you and ice. But there's the no security guards in that game. game. Hey, I liked the, the the action for those security guards. Me too. Pretty, they were fire though, man. I was They're, like, guy, that guy, that guy pounced. He what? he reacted. He saw them because I think he saw one. Like it was two women that actually yeah. jumped. The second woman, she didn't have a shot because the, no. the security guard he already eyeballed her. It was like a linebacker. Seeing a fullback out of position, it's like I'm about to light this dude up. That's what happened. He saw it, boom, he got on her, pounced on her. It was good. So, good job by the NF, NBA, uh, I say, uh, security to get that. We don't know what's going on. It's like a subreddit plot to, you know, jump on field. This is where I wish, this is where I wish all like that, like those people in particular, but anybody like jumps on, I just want to see them tased on the field. You know what I mean? Like, I just want to see yeah. the taser come out and they're like subdued, and the guy's like, not yet. Like just—that's what you get, you know. Exactly. That's what exactly. you get. You interfere. That's what you get. I have I had my experience. So you remember when we played Carolina down in uh, Carolina on Monday Night Football in '01? You remember that game? Mm-hmm. Oh, or it was yeah. 2000. And that fan came. Uh, no, you're, you're, there was that. Well, there's the, the the latest one. Before, the last one before I left was 2000. We played in 2004. So it was before. It was before that. So it was like 2000, okay. 2001. And Monday Night Football, remember Reggie played that game? Reggie White played that game? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was 2000. It was 2000. Yep. Yep. And on that play, I watched the video. I just put it in the link. You can watch it, too. We're running. It was like a – it was a – I went to the left, so it was either 92 um, play action or something or or hound hound two or hound three. And I'm in the flat. I got a linebacker on me. But then you know what happened? I'm looking at Brett, and Brett just does this. He has the ball, and then he goes like this. He drops it to his waist. And I'm like, something ain't right. I'm like, so I started like kind of looking around me. Like someone's on the field. I see green, jer- you know, white jerseys is us. Black jerseys is the Panthers. And I look to my right and the linebacker, because it was like it happened so fast. He kind of pushed me into this fan run on the field. And I decapitated this kid. <laughs> Dude, I laid him out. And then he gets up and then the the the, um, the security finishes him off. I'm like, man. I say, look, I was just reacting. I didn't know who that was. I saw a yellow blur with black pants i'm like wait a minute go time i said i gotta protect myself so i just stiffened yeah. up and i was like Ugh. i dropped my shoulder bow that's tough and <laughs> so i don't know as what drunk as that guy was as drunk as that guy was it really hurt the next morning 
yeah, that's where he felt the pain. So I don't get what's, what's up. What's getting these fans motivated to figure they could come? I just I say this: football, hockey, rugby. Don't do it. No, don't do it. Rugby. You got rugby players that are trained every day to hit people. Don't a rugby player will take their time and line you up. And you will not probably wake up for two, three days if they smack you perfectly and you are a fan trying to do whatever bet that you bet against your friends. Hey, I'm going to do this. I'm going to run on the field. Don't run on the field with the All Blacks. The All Blacks will destroy you. They will end you. Fans, you better get out of there. And this what's his next <laughs> one here. <laughs> oh, dude. I, I just like – so I, you know, I like watching the NBA playoffs. I don't yes. like watching the regular season – it's hurt me that the Lakers are how they are because I used to be a huge yep. Lakers fan. Yeah. But I think you think about how the Nets started the season and the, and the prospects they had. True. And yeah. now they're down 3 nothing to, to, to Boston. KD is arguably the best player in the world. Doesn't look that way. Jason Tatum's outplaying him. Right. And, and like, it's just so weird because he, it almost seems like a Ky- a Kyrie Irving, despite all the, all the things that he's put that team through. He's like the alpha male on the team, and it just it just makes you go like, how did you, how did you guys get? How are you not the favorites? How are you not playing better? And then after all of it, they trade away Harden and they get this guy Ben Simmons, AG. This Ben Simmons guy, he is like to me, he is he is everything. And listen, if he really has the mental health issues. Right. Right. I, I will I will I will walk some of this back. Okay. Mm-hmm. But he seems like to me with his behavior and the fact that he's had a back problem for 18 months mm-hmm. and he was going to be able to play on Saturday, not on Saturday, but then on Monday. Now he can't play Monday. And he's it's all on him. And he's had pain-free experiences for the last 10 days. And he's out there, you know, dressing dressing like a peacock to make sure that everybody can see him on the sidelines. He's not sitting, right. he's not sitting with the team. Or with his teammates at the end of the bench where he belongs, where everybody, other every other injured player would be sitting. He sits mm-hmm. up with the coaches so everybody can see him front and center. It is the most bizarre thing I've witnessed. And I just, if if I'm if I'm whoever's running the nets, I just got to be going. I got to take a real hard look at one. Is Steve Nash the yep. same quality coach as he was player? I'm not. Right. I'm not sure. Yeah, we're but, not sure. But what the like. You think like, Kevin? This is like such a bad indictment of Kevin Durant because to me, it Kevin is. Durant being the guy who he is, he, at some point you're like, dude, I'm the alpha here. I am the alpha. Nobody else here is the alpha. I'm going to run this stuff, and it just doesn't. It's it's bizarre. It just feels like Kyrie's running the show. This guy's like a sideshow. This Ben Simmons guy. It just seems like a, it's a damn circus, man. And that is way too talented a team to be Tonight. playing like they're playing. Exactly. I'm 100% agree with with everything you said. I'm like trying to figure out because I know, you know, we already know KD, championship caliber player, Hall of Fame player eventually. And Kyrie, obviously personal decision not to get the COVID shot, but obviously that drama with the mayor goes on. That's a distraction. I say the biggest thing here, the overall looking thing is just you have great players, like you already said, put together that could potentially be this level. Why are they not there? And part of the reason is why they're not there. It's just it's all these distractions they let get in. Like you could have this distraction. I think every NFL has mm-hmm. NFL yeah, protein. I mean, it's part of the deal. It's part of the deal. Every I don't care. Yeah. You go to any major league team, they have stuff going on. It's how you let it affect you. 
And that's where I think it's part of they may have it's it's, it's, it's crept in a little bit where they lose in focus. KD's not on. He, he's like shooting the worst he's ever shot in playoff history. And I think they let it in just a little bit because it's always drama. NFL, NBA, M- MSL or MLS, WNG teams. Right. AG, you know what we always talk about because you and I really like playing football. Like we just like playing. Yeah. Like all the other right. stuff, you you say this all the time. Like it wasn't about it was never about money. It was never we just like playing. Like I wanted to go play. Yeah. And this generation, and I guess was what I was, what I what I should have said was Ben Simmons to me negatively epitomizes what we always complain about with this generation in that there are a not a lot, but there are enough players that don't really like playing. Like Kyrie Irving, he is a he might be the most talented guy in the league. He clearly doesn't really care that much about basketball. Like he right. said, these things are more important than basketball. When we had the riots in last January and he has to take time off because he's upset. Like these things, I'm not saying that people have issues. To, I get that. Yeah. But basketball used to be like, is Michael Jordan or Kobe, are they missing those games? Yeah. Most likely not. That, are, most likely. I have <laughs> my life. 100%. You know, it, it, it doesn't make this this stuff. This Ben Simmons guy, like I remember watching Ben Simmons. He's from Australia. I remember watching like he had his own TV show when he was still in high school, and right. I remember this is a long time ago now, and I right. just remember seeing this thing and going, "Oh, I can't wait to see what this guy turns out like." Because you're going, "This is going to be a disaster." It's no, because, yeah, because like, what do you what do you think if you are just searching for cameras and you're only 16, 17 years old already? What do you think is going to happen when you actually have dough? Exactly. Like when you actually get the notoriety that you want, are you going to be as hungry to be the player that everyone thinks you should be? Yeah. It's really hard, man. That's not, it's hard. I, I had a conversation with a guy this weekend who I really respect, and we were going back and forth sports psychologists. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I just I, – I just I, – it's hard for me to get over sometimes. is like it is really, really hard work to become an elite level athlete it is really hard work to become the best version of you and a lot of people have the ability the talent but they don't have the tools they don't have the drive they get just they don't they get distracted yes but you see so many guys who have the talent it's like do you remember uh got it uh jerry mcguire and and cuba good and jitter's like you have the you have you have you don't have the Quan, right? Yes, the Quan. You right. don't have you have the that is a the real that yes, ability. That is a real thing. It's a real yeah. that's a real feeling. You gotta want it so bad. You gotta want to be good so bad. And what you see now is there's so many other avenues to get like to get fame or to get money or to get yes. notoriety or to get followers. And like all that it used to be about, like the thing was you being able to run the ball well. Right. Or catch the ball, or throw the ball, or whatever, yeah. whatever you're supposed to be doing in your uh, profession of a sport. So yeah, that has uh, been moved down the priority list for, and unknowingly, you know, unawarely, or maybe awarely, because players as today, like you mentioned, they they are looking for the oh look at me over here type of scenario. So uh, moving on down to get off my lawn, uh, the LA Rams are carrying a draft house. So I need a little I, little, oh, little definition here, Mike. <laughs> So you remember last year, um, out with the COVID year, there was a Cardinals. Everyone was tweeting out where because Bill Belichick doesn't like he was doing the COVID drafts from his like uh, 
his his kitchen table. With oh his, yeah, yeah, it was, it was cool as hell. So then Cliff Kingsbury came out and he lives in this sprawl pad and and you know a Scottsdale or something, a gorgeous house. And he's like, all he had for his draft was like his couch, his ADH TV, the remote, and like a phone. It was like it was like it was, and then you know outside there's like fountains going on in his pool. It was cool, right? I can find the uh, football GM, basically. Yeah, so it was yeah, it was cool. So then like I just saw that the Rams procured like uh, uh, like a house on the side of like Malibu Hills or something. And oh it's God. dude, it's just it looked incredible. And I was like, it's, it's like they're dude. they are so dialed in. Like Sean McVay and Les Snead are so dialed in on the same page about and the owner they don't obviously even go the to the draft most of the time, right? No, they, they don't, dude, they don't go to the Kaido saying their guys to the combine. Like they I'm have, they mean, just have I mean, a way the that they do business. Yeah. yeah, they have a way that they do business, and it's just like everything they do is just kind of cool. Like I just, I like. It's hard not to like that team, you know. They got a Super Bowl this year. And yeah, and it works. Work. Yeah, and it, it works. works. So whatever I say, yeah, definitely. I say a lot of teams don't do that. A lot of team, you know, team GMs, owners, they don't just do what works for them, regardless of what we say. ESPN, Fox Sports, all these announcers talk about. These specialists, <clears throat> mock draft specialists from Mel Kuyper to Todd McShay to all other people that do it, they just, you know, and don't get and worry about the being the judgmental side of here, hearing what people say. Oh man, they're doing something crazy. Just do that, do you, and that's what they're doing. And they right now yeah. they found they found success. Brought in uh, Matt Stafford, you know, and brought in defensive players, offensive players, you know, Odell Beckham right before the playoffs. They helped them do what they needed to do, and now. You know, I, I eventually agree with you what how McVeigh looks at it, where you said this a while ago on a couple of uh, podcasts ago that they rather go through the free agency or they find the player that's going to fit their system and it not be in the draft, you know, because then they could find picks, different picks in other areas that people didn't see it. Only they know because knowing that, OK, I could bring in a um, <clears throat> um, from Denver. I can't think of his name just slipping my mind right now. I'm um, bringing that defensive end, that defensive player. Well, Von Miller bringing in Von Miller, you know, for the start of the season, but then late late into the season, and knowing just how how things went down between Odell and Cleveland and and uh, the quarterback there, it just kind of landed in their lap. You know what? Oh yeah, you having problems in Cleveland? Come on out to LA, you know. And we know we yeah. you're and we're just talking about those players that want to be want to be seen. Definitely, Odell is that player that want to be seen, but he is about work life too. And so he came there, did what he needed to do to help that team to a Super Bowl. So yeah, it's like be you. And and you will you'll find that success sometimes. Don't second guess yourself because other people are talking this way. How to do your draft? How to pick your? How to get your draft picks judged and all that? Man, you figure it out. If you're winning, that's all that counts. You know, in that situation, you only and get one shot. At, if you only get one shot at so it, so the fact that you see originality and people yeah. are not af- not afraid to go out on their own. It's like you want to root for them. Exactly. Because everybody, it's easy to go with the crowd. It's easy right. to say, oh, you know, I'm gonna do it just like this team has done it, even if it's not my team. You know, maybe it's another team you've been following, and all you know how they pick teams, how they pick players, and all that. Do your own thing, and that's where you know you you def- you separate yourself um, with anything, and especially any pro sport. So, and this last get off my line, yeah, I I didn't see the full video uh, or anything. I saw tweets awful. about it yesterday. So we got Johnny Depp and Amber Heard actress uh, divorce finally coming. You know, to limelight, he's already been there for a couple. I thought they were divorced already. I didn't know. I think they are. I think this was like uh, who's getting paid or something. Yeah. So now information lawsuit, I think. It was the information lawsuit. So full disclosure. So it just, I just saw a post. I didn't see, like, I didn't get a chance to read up on it. So tell me a little bit. I just saw the post of the meme saying, you know, how Johnny Depp, he's look, they got the, 
was it? What was his? Uh, he was the pirate in uh, Pirates yeah, of the yeah. Caribbean. Uh, Captain Jack Sparrow. Yeah, Jack Sparrow. Different means. Well, he speaks. Yeah. He speaks like even when he talks, like he's in the courtroom and he speaks okay, like he's so acting, for, right? For people that yeah, for people don't know, as as part of an ugly separation, Very at ugly. one point, uh, allegedly, Amber Heard defecated on Johnny Depp's side of the bed. God bless. Okay, and, got rid. But, but oh, but the way that like the way that Johnny Depp describes the photo in court, like we should just we'll just let it go. Of this, if you haven't seen it, go watch it because watch. I, you I'm think right you now. think that you're watching Captain Jack Sparrow talk, like the, just because the way he presents himself, you're like this. This guy thinks he's in character. Like it's it's so funny. It's I and mean, I've seen it's him, a, and I've seen him do that. Like I've seen him do interviews where I'm like. Does he still think this is Pirates of the yeah. Caribbean or 21 Jump Street or the best part else? about that guy is so you know he took he took Captain Jack Sparrow is off of um of uh who, you know Keith Richards. That's yes. yeah, yeah, but that's that's you know, and so you just and then you know they have the whole thing in one of the movies, and but you go, I I method think he he's a method actor. He is full in. Yeah, yeah you just don't go. Maybe he, maybe he just said like, I kind of like this guy. I think I'm gonna stick. I think he, I think this guy's gonna stick around in real life. You know what I mean? Definitely. <laughs> he, well, he's guy's amazing. Around. Yeah, he's he's talented in doing uh, what he does on the big screen. But yeah, between this, I'll be honest. I thought this divorce was already. It's technically finalized now, I guess. But they're just yeah, doing their right. final arguments. Listen, Ag, of, once of once that happens, it's over. Right. We get, I, technically yeah. or not. Once, yeah. once, once there's something on the pillow when you get home. I'd yeah, say it's that, that, I, I, the question That'd be is tough today, to come back from. That'd be tough. The question to come is back from. why? I just want to know why. Why are you gonna poop in the bed next? To... <laughs> something went down that. Woo wee! That's that, that's being Can mad. Imagine? I can't uh, imagine just, waking up to that. That's out of a movie, right? I mean, it's I Hollywood, obviously, but it's like this is I it really is out of a movie. Imagine. I'm upset. I got probably we got we got to figure. <laughs> Yeah, we got to figure well. this out. So that brings us to the end of the show, man. Great show here, Mike. Man, that was a fun way to end it, talking about Johnny Depp and his ex, you know, and, and all that situation there. So this show is brought to you by Bet Online. So thank you to them sponsoring this show of uh, All My Block. And so right now, as you see at the bottom of the screen, you can follow us on social media um, at AmonGreet30 on one word, Twitter and Instagram for myself and for Mike, Mike Wall 68 at Twitter, and also his process to perform there. Um, at Instagram as well. So this is for everybody tuning in, listening, get those uh, websites followed, but then also for the website. I mean, for the podcast, write us a review. Is where you find us wherever you download all your podcasts. Give us that feedback. We need it to get better, to continue having on. So, Mike, great show, man. And uh, are you making it to Vegas later this week? Nope. Or yes. I have to be. I, yeah, I, I got my I, my daughter's playing in North Carolina. Oh, okay, yeah. So you got yeah. I, I, I remember that life. I had yeah. I had track meet. I had a track runner. I yeah. had one and two. So I, I was always traveling. I missed his Marco's um, his retirement then because of my my daughter was running. Amani tra- was running track. So I that was relate. a fun that was a fun trip. Yeah, that's what I heard. Well, I was I heard a trip for me. I lived there. It was, it's it's always better yeah, when they come to that when they come to the city that you you already live in. It's like, phenomenal. Sure, I'll come down. How many times do you want me there? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so I get to join this one because he's turning a big 5 0. Um, so I'll let you know how it goes. And Enjoy. Everybody. Happy birthday, Marco. Yes, Sorry, I'm missing sure. Happy birthday, Chimp. Can't wait to see you, you and Michelle. And uh, everybody listening to our show, see you, um, see you next week. We'll be back.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.